first hone in on your brand exactly, know exactly who you are, know exactly what you represent, know your voice. And then from there, just start sharing it with as many people as possible. We know that building wealth comes from owning businesses and making investments. Yet why still do nearly half of businesses fail in the first five years? And why do others lose it all in their investments? Welcome to the Wealth Watchers podcast, your resource for building a massive net worth. We bring real stories from real people who are experts in business and investing, who will share secrets and actionable strategies to amassing wealth and achieving success. Brought to you by Happy Camper Capital. And now, your hosts, Justin Hoggett and Adam Lendy. Welcome back to the Wealth Watchers Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Lundy. With me is my co-host, Justin Hoggett. Justin, how are you today? Hey, Adam. Doing well. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. I'm busy, ready to, excited to get away for the weekend, but that just means a lot of stuff to clear off the plate first. Yeah, so I guess we could be dating ourselves today with the, with the race. Well, I'll call it a race because I can't do anything without racing, but a bike ride, century ride for my first one this weekend, which I'm pretty excited about. We talked about that in goals a while back. Uh, it's finally here, uh, excited for it, and going to enjoy some good weather in Grand Junction. Well, and since this will be coming out after the race, what a great race we had. Man, that was exciting. <laughs> man, I can't believe I won it. Whoo, man, that was close. <laughs> we were neck and neck. Um, all right. Well, without further ado, I um, want to bring on our guest. Our guest today is Don Jones. She's the CEO of uh, Pressed PR. Don, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, you know, obviously we've got a lot we want to learn from you and the businesses you've built. Uh, but before we get, I guess, hear what you have to say, we want to know a little bit more about who you are. So if you could go ahead and maybe share a little bit about your story and what brought you to where you are now and why it is you do what you do. So I am a musician, first and foremost, um, I would say for most of my life. And that's kind of how I fell into this business, actually. I went to school in Fort Lewis um, in Durango, Colorado, and studied music business and um, just kind of had a, kind of had a goal of doing something in the music industry. Wasn't quite sure what at the time and through internships and job shadowing and life events fell into the world of PR, um, where I've built my business press PR for the past five years and have just really loved it. Um, I love getting to work with artists. I, we now work with a lot of independent creatives, so I like that part too. And just getting to work with people to tell their story is, is kind of where I've found my niche in the industry. What kind of music? I play the fiddle, so I am a little partial to anything that's got a fiddle in it. Most of that, most of the time, that's like country or folk or something like that. Um, but we represent all kinds of genres, which is fun for me. <laughs> and if I'm accurate, a fiddle is a violin when it's played in the country music setting, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, fiddle and violin are the same thing. But I come from, I grew up in Alabama, so my southern comes out, and I say the fiddle. <laughs> Great. So your specialty, I guess you started, you said mostly with other musicians and now you're kind of in the, anybody in the creative space you work with? Pretty much. Yeah. We still um, really specialize in musicians. And I think that's mainly because of my background and kind of where I came from and how I started. But now we're working with a lot of other independent creatives as well. So we've got some filmmakers that we're working with, um, some authors of books and other creative businesses, we, we're starting to work with labels and kind of some of these tech companies that are creating apps for creatives and artists and musicians. And so our our um, clientele is, is really diversifying itself, it seems so naturally. 
Yeah. Now, when I think PR, of course, I think that, you know, you're you're getting them out in front of people. But what exactly do you provide? Like, what what, what is your service? Um, so, yeah, getting them out in front of people is kind of the general gist of it. But really what we're providing is credibility in the industry and kind of brand recognition. So our main focus is getting them in media placements, getting them in um, articles and interviews and podcasts and things like that, and just kind of helping them share their brand to more people. And with artists, um, that usually focused around, you know, a music release or something of the sort, a tour, something like that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the general gist of it. We also help with branding. So branding materials and things like that, building their visual image and how they're represented and really just making sure that the way that they are represented to not only their target audience, but also to just anyone else who might stumble upon them is what they want to be represented as tells their story, helps them relate to the audience um, and connect in that way. Now, was this, uh, did this spawn from your own experience, you know, I guess getting your own awareness about your own music out there or how did, how did this come to be? Kind of. Yeah. It's kind of a interesting story. So through college, I interned for a band that just was very active, especially in Colorado um, where I live. And they were just very active. They toured quite a bit. They played a lot of shows and through a series of events, I, because I was their intern, I also ended up kind of doing some of the publicity work for them. Um, basically like the, they had worked with a publicist and that had ended and they still needed someone to, to promote their shows. And I, as the intern got tasked uh, with that responsibility. So I learned very hands-on through that experience. And that was in my senior year of college when I was like really learning that, um, and kind of trial by fire situation. And then after college, you know, I had great goals and plans of going somewhere like Nashville and, and, you know, working for a company that was already established and getting my feet wet that way. And um, life events happened. I ended up actually moving to Hawaii instead, which was great, but there's no music scene there, no music industry. So my job prospects kind of went out the window and I decided um, to give it, you know, two years. I knew I was going to be in Hawaii for two years. So I said, I'm going to give it two years. I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to try to do this. Um, what I've been doing for this band, I'm going to try to do it for other people in the industry. Specifically, I was focused on independent musicians um, because I knew just from my own experience of being an independent musician, kind of the need there and and was able to really relate to to those people. And then I also, you know, just from having friends and stuff in the industry, like knew a lot of people that needed PR. So I started out that way. And then kind of just took off from there. Um, it grew beyond what I had hoped <laughs> in the first two years and I haven't stopped doing it yet. So it's it's been kind of a crazy ride that I didn't really plan, just kind of fell into, but love it nonetheless. Great. How did you learn about the world of PR? I mean, was this something, did you have formal education on this, a mentor? Um, you know, how did this come to be a thing for you? A little bit of all of that. Um, so I, my, my degree plan in college was music business. And through that, I learned, you know, a little bit about communications and PR. Definitely when I realized that that was something I was interested in, kind of spent a little more time on that, but it wasn't a formal PR degree by any means. Um, but yeah, definitely learned a little bit through college, through that internship and just trial by fire and figuring it out. I learned a lot through that. And then I've been really fortunate to have several mentors over the years that have been in the industry, you know, 20 plus years and have mentored me through it and, and told me, you know, things to do and things to help and um, really kind of finessed what I do now 
through that experience. So a little bit of everything, I would say. It's been a, a conglomerate of, of things. <laughs> right. Have you found any challenges with your young age and getting started uh, at a young age for your business and then obviously getting clients like, uh, you know, presumably older than you are at that point? Yeah, definitely. So I started this business when I was 21, um, which was, I think, definitely it, it could be a roadblock to some um, because you don't have experience. I didn't have the experience, you know, working for a formal PR agency. I was just kind of going at it myself and figuring it out as I went. And so that was definitely kind of something that I heard people say a lot when I started was, you know, you're only 21. I would, you know, I would have people twice my age considering me um, as a client. And when they would learn my age, they would kind of back out. So that was really tough. I think just because people would judge you based on how old you are and not at how skilled you are. And I knew that I could deliver the results if they would just give me a chance. Um, so that was tough for sure. But I think once I got past that and once I started proving myself and you could see the results and you could see, you know, what I was doing for other clients, that is no longer such a big question. Um, now a lot of people w like that I'm young because I have a fresh take on things and I'm not stuck in the traditional PR world as maybe some of my older colleagues are. So um, I just kind of used it to my advantage and put a spin on it and said like, you know, I'm doing it different, but it's, this is how, this is where the world's going. This is where PR is going. And I'm not afraid to, you know, be one of the, the first ones to kind of take a chance on that. And what kind of metrics are people looking at when they ask you about doing PR for them? Are they, are they, uh, you know, number of followers or is it a dollar amount? You know, what kind of, you know, PR is really hard to see your ROI on. Um, I don't know how much you know about it, but it's really because because what you're doing is creating brand awareness. It's hard to measure that in any capacity because, <laughs> you, you know, you're wanting people to relate to your brand um, well through PR and you can't really measure that. So it's hard to present people with an ROI. What I've done is I've just you know, showed people like, here's the types of articles we can get you. Here's how we can share your story. And usually that's what people want is they want to be able to share their story on multiple platforms in multiple ways um, and talk about it as much as possible. So a lot of the times potential clients come to me, they want to see the work we've done in the past and they want to see like who we've been featured with or who our clients have been featured with and uh, what kind of stories those were for our, our music artists. You know, I try to show them like a campaign that was maybe similar to theirs to kind of give them an, an idea and a scope. But it's really hard to measure. Um, any any PR publicist will tell you that it's really hard to measure ROI. So you you kind of have to trust your publicist and know that whatever work that they're doing, they're getting your brand out there in a new way. And, and that's the ultimate goal. So consistency and track record are really going to be what sells this. And yeah. Track record, case studies. Yeah. Those, those help for sure. So the metrics that you set, you know, might be more around the activity that you perform to get them out there. So many appearances, so many impressions of some kind, correct? Yeah. And it, and PR is unique too, in that, you know, the final result is not completely up to us as publicists. Um, it's really up to the media outlets and they have to like what you're pitching. <laughs> so they have to, in the case of a musician, they have to like the music. And so that can be really tough too, because we can have, you know, an artist that we think is really great and that we think the music is really great and we can pitch them to a hundred places. But if the, if the media outlet is not 
into it personally, then they won't cover it. And so that can be a tough thing to kind of pivot from as well. Um, but yeah, you know, generally seeing case studies and, and now that I've been in the industry for a little bit, I can gauge from the get go, like how I think an artist will perform and kind of give them an expectation to go off of throughout our campaign. You can give them the stage. It's ultimately up to them to close the deal with their product. Yeah. They have to bring the product. They have to bring the product. Yeah. The product has to be good. Otherwise it won't go anywhere. (laughs) Right. Uh, now, obviously, you mentioned you've shifted into other creative spaces um, with your clients as well. Is there is are there common threads, common themes in in the work you do between those different types? Like, obviously, the you know maybe the the uh, mediums that you use, the platforms that you're on. I think PR as a whole is is very similar across all industries. You're doing the same thing in that you're telling the story and getting the brand out there um, and creating a positive relationship between the brand and their audience. So that is pretty much universal throughout the entire industry of public relations. Really, the only differences um, in niches is that you're focusing on specific audiences. So with music, it's a little different than, say, a product because music, you're, you're really focusing on listeners. You're also working on you know, making that artist relatable to their fans and making sure that they're relating on a level deeper than just, I have a new song out. Um, And then you're getting that music into the hands of reviewers and curators and and building their brand that way. Whereas products, you know, even though you're kind of doing the same thing, it's just a different target audience. And the same thing as with uh, businesses, you know, you're working on that brand, they may not have a specific release or anything like that coming out, but you're working on bringing the brand into the limelight and bringing, you know, trust to that brand. So it's all kind of the same, honestly. Um, it's just different focus of areas, I would say, and different, different ways you go about that versus, you know, when you're representing a person versus when you're representing a business or something like that. I suppose anybody could take a piece of recorded music and pull some samples out of it and go push it out on the internet, right? Make some posts on that. But and you talked about, of course, building that brand. So, you know, and I could see a lot of crossover between this and business. Um, so what's what's important about building that brand and what's that look like? Yeah, I think building a brand, the important thing, especially in, you know, the way our culture has kind of shifted in the past year or so is you need trust from your audience. That's the biggest thing I've seen um, also as a result of the pandemic is that people want to trust whatever they're buying or the people that they're buying from way more than we met than we might have a year ago. Um, and I think that's going to continue. I think people want to see like honesty and transparency. They don't want to see just a bunch of hoopla that doesn't mean anything. They want to see the people behind the brand. And so I think telling your personal story and establishing that relationship from the get-go is really important. I think that's a really important step in building the trust for people to follow your brand, whether you're an artist or whether you're a business. Um, Because even in my own, you know, personal consumption of goods, I find myself naturally led to brands that are founded or represented by people like myself. And I think that, you know, with the development of influencer marketing, especially that that is going to just continue, you know, you're going to, you need to trust the brand and you need to trust where it's coming from. And because we have so many options, if you don't trust a brand, you can easily go find another one that you identify with. So I think that's one of the biggest things that PR is helping people do is, you know, establishing trust uh, with their audience. 
I can resonate with that. I think there are products I've bought, you know, solely by the owner and my knowledge of who they are or their spokesperson and my alignment with them. And the quality, the quality of the product might be subpar compared to something else, but you know, it's just that connection you make. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, well, I guess, you know, as it relates to, you know, if we were to transform this into other businesses, because obviously, you know, the, the folks we speak to are come from all walks of life, but mostly, you know, business owners, um, you know, are, are there any, I guess, any tips or like, what does, what, what how do you start with maybe your, your clientele, which are, you know, artists and creative? Yeah, the you know, a lot of people, you there's a good chunk of it that you can do and you can kind of establish yourself if you're not ready to go out and get a PR agency to work for you. There's a, a good bit that you can do yourself. One of the biggest pieces is establishing what your story is. Um, a lot of times I will see business owners or creatives who have a brand, but they're not 100% honed in on what their story is or what makes them unique. And I think that that is so important. Um, it sets you apart for sure when you are just crystal clear on how you relate to your audience and how you're different or how, um, you know, how your story impacts your product or whatever that might be. So I think, you know, really honing in on your story and your narrative honing in on your brand voice and kind of like what your brand stands for and how you incorporate that I think is really important. And then once you have those, those key aspects, you know, you can start, you know, reaching out locally and, and reaching out to local newspapers and local TV, local radio, and trying to get awareness through that. Um, you'd be surprised about how much can come from just reaching out and person to person and saying like, Hey, I really believe in this and I want to share it. Do you mind helping me? Um, that's a, that's a huge thing that I think is often overlooked, but DIY, I would say definitely first hone in on your brand. Exactly. Know exactly who you are, know exactly what you represent, know your voice. And then from there, just start sharing it with as many people as possible. Got it. And, and what is a brand voice exactly? Um, I would, I would classify a brand voice as how you relate to your audience and how you represent yourself. So, you know, my, for example, my brand voice is very fun. It's very modern. Um, it's very fresh, which is why fresh is a key word in, in our company. Um, it's very innovative in that we try to be different from our competition. So like knowing how you come across, I think is really important part of that brand voice and then incorporating that into your story. You know, my story is that I was a musician and I wanted to find a new way to do this for other musicians like myself and for colleagues and things like that. And so I've developed this uh, fresh approach to PR for independent creatives. And so like that really ties into my identity, I think, as a fresh modern publicist um, in this in this era of society. So, you know, think about things like that. If you're if you're a brand or you're a product, like how does your product differentiate? Is it a really cool new product that's you know, fresh and innovative and, you know, classic all at the same time. How does that relate to you as the founder? How does that relate to the story of why you created the product? And then on the other hand, like if it's a traditional product that you've just remade and why is that important? You know, just kind of honing in on what sets you apart and what makes you different within your competition. So it's, it's sort of a twofold approach is kind of what I'm picking up on as the theme. Obviously, part of it is you're selling yourself and, and as you mentioned with your own experience in music, making yourself relatable to them before you, you know, obviously build value in the product or service you're providing. 
and, you know, I, you know, set it apart, you know, and it kind of reminds me of a saying, which I love, which is, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but your job is not to make it drink. It's to make it thirsty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a great saying. Yeah. I think that, I think that, you know, really touches on what we're talking about for sure. Because, and I think too, a lot of people overlook the fact that their personal story can be important in their brand and in their business. I think that, you know, I see a lot of people that they get this great product or this great business, whatever it might be. And they focus solely on that, but they don't talk about why they created it. They don't talk about why they started it, you know? And I think that's really important because a product, if you're a parent and you've got a product for parents that I don't know, helps your baby sleep or something. If you just market that and you don't market like, oh, I spent all these sleepless nights trying to figure out how to get my baby to sleep. And I realized that this, a combination of this and this and this worked. And so I've created this product. They won't relate to it the same way and they won't have that trust. So I think it all goes back to, does your audience trust you? And if your brand voice is not something that they can trust and it's not something that they can relate to, then you won't establish that or not very quickly, at least. (laughs) In terms of order for the business, uh, do you, what, what would you suggest in terms of good timing for starting PR? Is it right away? Is it right after you've made a, a bomb website? I mean, what, at what point is it, is it, you know, best use of time? Well, from the first time you tell people about your business, you've started PR. So, you know, knowing your approach from the get go, I think is really beneficial because the first, the first people that you tell that's your first PR campaign essentially. You know, PR extends way beyond just getting media. It's how people view you. It's public relations. It's how people view your brand. So from the beginning, if you can have a clear idea of, of what you want your brand is, and you can convey that from the get-go to even when you're just telling your mom about it, then that is a good PR strategy to hold and maintain. If you've already started and you haven't done that, I would say start as soon as possible. Um, because People are developing a, an idea and your business is developing a reputation with or without you. So if you want to stay in control of that narrative, start from the beginning. And do you have specific suggestions on, uh, you know, I guess social media being a pretty good uh, thing these days for PR. Uh, have you found certain avenues to be the most effective? Um, I think that is largely dependent on your target audience. You know, if you've got a business or product that is more relatable to the older generation, Facebook is going to be your best avenue because that's the demographic that is largely there now. Um, If it's, you know, more related to the younger generation, like Gen Z or millennial, you're probably looking at Instagram and Twitter being more effective than Facebook. So it really depends on who you're talking to, I think, and knowing where those people are at. And then finding ways to get in front of them on those platforms that they're already congregating in. Got it. Um, so, I, and I guess what I'm picking up on though, from kind of Justin's last question is whether you have a PR plan or you don't have a PR plan, you have a PR plan. <laughs> it's just, it might not be serving you correctly. Right. PR, yeah, PR is happening. <laughs> yeah, it's happening regardless. It happens with or without you. You know, your reputation is out there. So if you want to maintain control of that narrative and, and kind of guide people to think what you want them to think about your business, then a PR plan is a must. <laughs> that, okay. And, and maybe to focus Justin's question a little more, um, I, I guess, is there a threshold somebody should hit or a stage somebody should be at when they look to hire a PR professional? That's a great question. Yeah. I would say for me, and you know, this could vary depending on 
you know, what kind of publicist you're talking to. But for me, I prefer my clients to already come to me with a clear vision of who they are as a brand. Um, you know, we do help clients create that vision, but it's way more seamless. And I think more true to the client when they've already got a really good hold and a really good idea on who, on who they are. So if you have, if you've created your brand and you've created or an idea, you don't have to have it tangibly. You know, that's definitely something that a lot of publicists will help you create tangibly. But if you have a clear vision, I think that's the bare minimum you need um, to start PR because your publicist can help you create that. Sure. But if you don't have the vision, they're not going to know where to guide you. They're not going to know like where to push you or where to lead you to. Um, so having that clear vision is really important, I think. And then, you know, also just like being ready for PR, you need to have something to promote. You need to have something that's newsworthy. So if that's a product launch, you need to like be ready to launch the product. If it's new music, you need to have the music ready so that your publicist has something to work with. Um, if it's an event, you know, having the event planned or something like that. So you know, vision is number one. Um, and then something to work with something that's newsworthy is number two. Okay. So let's just suppose here, I'm preparing to get myself ready to have my first call with you. You want me to come with this vision. What are the tools you could give me or the questions you would want me to ask myself before we get on that call together? Yeah. And usually I do that too. In my meetings with clients is I, I have a list of questions that I ask them to get a, to get a clear is vision from them because a lot of people don't know how to formulate their vision into words. Um, so I, I often ask about their background as an artist and in, in the case of a business or a brand, I would ask about your background, why you started creating music, why you started creating your business or brand. Um, and then I ask about, you know, what are, what do you see happening for your brand? Where do you see your brand going in the next X amount of months or years, however long, um, we might be working together. So those are those are kind of the key questions I ask. And then usually from that, a lot of things kind of trickle out. Um, I, I get to learn a lot about them personally. And that, you know, opens new doors and new avenues and oftentimes things that they haven't thought about, about why that might be important. Um, but knowing your history is, is really important. Knowing where you want to go and how those two tie together, I think is a good foundation to start your vision from. And what about questions to ask you? Uh, as a as a PR firm, and uh, maybe interview questions for others. Yeah, a, a lot of good questions I get um, is obviously about you know our track record and case studies, people that we've worked for. That's probably the top question I get. Um, a lot of people want to know how PR works. There's just a lot of there's not a lot of education out there about what exactly is PR. A lot of people are confused about what PR is. So um, answering those kind of questions is definitely something that I do on a daily basis. <laughs> and I think, and I would encourage you if you're not super clear on the difference in PR and marketing and you're hiring someone to ask them, you know, what, what do you define as your job? Um, and then, you know, they, we get asked a lot of questions about how our campaigns work and just expectations and things like that. And, and also kind of what we're envisioning for their PR campaign. And usually that leads to a discussion of ideas and brainstorming uh, between us and the client, which is one of my favorite parts about PR. So, yeah, you know, just kind of get, having a good understanding and, and not being afraid to ask the questions that you don't know, I think is really important when interviewing a PR agency. And how long do you stick with a client typically? 
Um, it varies. We, we've had clients that we've had for the full five years that we've been in business. And then we've also had clients that we just work on a specific release for them or a specific campaign for them. And it's kind of like a one and done. So it, it varies. I, I would say if you're looking long-term, uh, PR is a marathon, not a sprint. So if you're able to have a long-term approach, that's going to be the most valuable for you. So that's part of that, I guess, you know, that vision question for you is where are you going? Because if their vision, I guess, is just to their next, their next project, you know, completion, then obviously that, that might help you decide if you want to work with them. 100%. And it is definitely part of the questions I ask is, you know, what are you foreseeing this relationship to look like? Are you looking at it long term? Do you have a lot of things coming up that we could work with? Or do you just have this one thing and then you're going to be done? Um, That's a really big question that does determine a lot of who we work with usually. So, and I will say too, you know, having a long-term PR approach is usually um, you get a lot more out of it than just having a one and done campaign. Cause the one and done campaign, like, sure you get great placements and you get good momentum for that month or two months or three months, whatever that is. But then after that it stops and then you have to completely start back over next time you have something newsworthy. So I think if you can find a way to keep that momentum going your success with PR will be better in the long run than if you just do a series of short campaigns that don't really tie together. Now, you know, kind of on Justin's questions about, you know, obviously the questions you would ask a PR firm if you're going to hire them and and you kind of touched on what the expectations would be, you know, what should somebody expect to be, you know, the communication from their PR person? Should there be a routine check-in period, you know, like how should they maybe measure their KPI and know, you know, if they're hiring somebody who's doing them well, because frankly, we haven't hired a PR person specifically, so we wouldn't know what to ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a great question. Um, I believe, you know, in, in transparency and client collaboration and not all publicists or PR agencies uh, may agree with me, but I prefer to check in with my clients somewhat regularly um, just to keep the communication flowing, to be on top of anything that might be developing, and to be able to work that into the campaign if need be. So I think consistent communication is important. That doesn't mean every single day or even every single week, but at least biweekly, I think is really good. Um, and then having kind of set checkpoints. I know with our company, we have set checkpoints that we send uh, updates on. So the client knows at a bare minimum, they will get these certain checkpoints of, you know, we sent this pitch out, here's a pitch list, or here's a comprehensive report, that kind of thing. And then usually we fill in as needed with communication based on if we have an interview coming in that we need to schedule them for, or if we've got this placement and we're sending them the link, you know. So I think um, communication is important. I think it should ebb and flow. There's not necessarily a set way to communicate. I do think there should be consistent reporting. Um, And then the other thing I really believe is important when working with a publicist is having transparency. And I think that goes back to trusting your publicist because they are telling your story. So if there's anything that doesn't feel right or doesn't feel 100% honest or doesn't feel like you can just talk to that person about anything, um, then I would say it's probably not a good fit. Because there's kind of an inside joke of like, you know, a publicist is also your therapist because you talk about a lot of things. (laughs) So I would say like, if you don't have that, or you don't feel like you can do that, then it's probably not a good fit. It's really important to have the person that's representing your brand to be as aligned with you as possible and as transparent with you as possible. So that's something that I really focus on bringing to the table. 
Um, and then another expectation I think that is often overlooked is that PR is not a guarantee. So I try to be completely transparent with my clients up front and say like, look, we can pitch you to a hundred different publications, a hundred different outlets, but if your product or your song or whatever it is that we're promoting is not connecting, then we need to work together to find a way to pivot that into something that will connect. Um, you have to bring us a quality product to work with. You have to bring us something good to work with because ultimately we can't force somebody to like your music. You know, like we can't force an editor to like this song, um, but we can present it in the best way possible. So I think having that expectation up front is clear as possible is really important. It's a major red flag if you have a publicist that says, I can guarantee you these outlets, because that usually, um, that usually like represents paid opportunities or something like that, where it's not truly earned media. It's more like advertising that they've spun into earned media. Um, so I would say that's a major red flag. If anyone tells you that they can guarantee you something they can't. So that's not PR if that's what they're doing. And last question I've got for you on that, just cause it popped in my mind. Um, how often do you have to have the tough conversations with somebody to let them know that maybe you think their product might not be a hit before they invest a lot of money into the, into the publicist? Um, more often than you think. <laughs> I, I kind of have set it up in my onboarding system to kind of weed those out from the very beginning. So in my inquiry system, if I get an inquiry that I listen to and I just really don't think that it'll perform well or that it'll be a good fit for us. Cause there's that too, you know, like it might be a great hard rock song, but we don't really represent hard rock because I don't prefer it in my personal life. So why would I represent it? You know, why would I pretend to like something that I don't? Um, so the, there's a lot of stuff like that, that, you know, I'll hear and I'll, I'll just send them a polite email saying like, we're not a fit. Um, I don't think that this is going to be a good fit for us. If it is just really bad, I'll tell them, you know, here's some things you can do before you're ready for PR. I'll just say like, I don't think you're quite at a stage for PR yet. I would feel bad taking your money. Here's some things you can do to get to that point. Um, and I think that there's a lot of PR agencies out there that will just take anyone. And I think that's a red flag too. If you don't have somebody vetting your music and you're not talking to someone and hearing firsthand that they believe in you or your product or your brand or your vision or anything, then that's a major red flag too, because you need someone on your team that believes in the product just as much as you do. So. Yeah. Well, I guess Justin and I will refine our electric polka single before we send it over to you. <laughs> okay, Don. Well, if you resonated with somebody on here who's listening, who wants to connect with you, um, find out if PR is the right thing. And if you'd be a good fit to work together, how could they reach out to you? Yeah, we have a website, um, which is our most comprehensive platform. It has all the information you need. That's www.pressedfreshpr.com. Um, we're also on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the things at, at PressedFreshPR. Um, and then, yeah, through my website, you can also email me, which is a great way to get in touch. Okay, perfect, Don. Well, we appreciate you coming on and sharing today. Like I said, I, I know there's a lot of interchangeability between what you do for creatives and musicians and any other business owner. I mean, really at the same time, you're, you're selling yourself and you're selling your product or service. So, um, so thank you for sharing. But before we part ways, um, I'd like to give Justin a chance to take off with the Wealth Watchers Brain Pick. I'm ready. I'm nervous, but ready. <laughs> All right, Don, are you ready? <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, right. Uh, you should be. No, the, the first question I do have for you, though, we have five uh, on the brain pick, but I, I'm also just curious where in Hawaii you lived first. Oh, yeah. I lived in Oahu um, in a little town called Kailua. Are you familiar? Okay. okay. Uh, not so much of Oahu, um, but took a little bit of a stint myself in Kauai down on the south side in Poipu Beach. So um, beautiful area, obviously. Um would do it again. But anyway, now without further ado, so number one, what is your superpower or unique natural ability? I would say relating to people. I think that is a big thing that also plays into my career path in publicity um, is that I'm able to really relate to people and establish a great relationship, you know, right off the bat, um, which is, I think harder for some people to, you know, be able to connect with someone that they've never met before. But I think that plays a really important role in what I do and why I'm able to do what I do. So I think relating to people would be one of my superpowers. All right. If you were to go back three to five years, what might you have done differently that you wish you could have? You know, I've heard this question before and it's been asked to me before, but I don't think I would do anything differently just because then I wouldn't have the same learning experience and trajectory that I have had. Um, you know, if I had gone back and done something differently and made it easier, that would have maybe propelled my business further faster. But would I have learned the same things and would I be the same publicist that I am today? Probably not. Um, so I, I like to say I wouldn't do anything differently. I've enjoyed the path that I've taken. I've enjoyed learning and I've enjoyed um, how that's kind of naturally evolved into where I am now. And I'm already looking forward to the next 10 years of what that might look like. And so I wouldn't really change much. Um, based on, based on where I've been. Okay. Awesome. I'm going to take a little bit of a spin from that for a second too, just cause I'm curious, but is there anything in the last three to five years that, that has kind of shocked you? I mean, technology and methods change quickly. It seems like these days. So is there anything that's kind of, uh, been that's, that's shocked you that stood out as, man, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Um, well, you know, in, in PR, you're always evolving. And I think I kind of came into it with that mindset of this is going to change every so often that I have to be ready to adapt. And I think adaptability is really important in the world of communications anyways. Um, so I think in some sense, I was, I've been prepared for, you know, constantly adapting and pivoting and being ready to do that. And I think as an entrepreneur, you have to be adaptable and able to pivot on a moment's notice anyways. Um, so I kind of came into it with that idea, but definitely this past year with the pandemic, that changed our industry a, a whole lot. Um, it changed a lot of how we bring people's stories to light and when's a good time to do that and when is not. You know, if there's other things going on in the world, it's not a good time to be talking about new music. Um, so like, you know, that was definitely a curveball I had to pivot through. And I think a lot of people had to pivot through things through the pandemic. But for me, that was definitely something that I had to really hone in on my skills to know like timeliness of when is a good time to pitch this and how does it relate to what's going on? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, a new single is not the most important thing in the world. And so how do you make it to where people will be open to it when there's a lot of other things happening? Um that's been a really tough pivot, I think, for a lot of people. But now that we're kind of mostly behind it, you know, I think it's made us all into better publicists in our industry. I think we're all a little bit more thoughtful and a little bit more on the nose of what's happening and, and how that plays into the grand scheme of things. So that's that's probably the biggest um, adaptable pivot I've had to make in the last year or so. Got it. Yep. Understandably. Um, and where are you headed in the next three to five years? 
I hope that we are representing more independent creatives. I hope we keep evolving and expanding and representing people in different industries. I really like the variation that brings, um, you know, within the entertainment industry, there's a lot of different little niches. So I hope that we continue doing that and growing and yeah, I just hope we're still in business (laughs) like every entrepreneur does. (laughs) Um, What is your favorite book on business or money? I read all the time. So I've got a few. Um, My favorite book on business is by the Patagonia founder, Yvonne Chouinard. Um, He wrote a book called Let My People Go Surfing or Let My People Surf, something along those lines. Um, Forgive me if I butchered the title, (laughs) but it's a really great book about how he approached the outdoor industry differently and I think has been a, a true marker for how I want my business to be different in the world of PR. Um, And I think it's, you can adapt those principles to any business. So I always recommend that one because it's just a really great story of how he did not even mean to be a businessman, but turned into one and then said, I'm going to be, I'm going to do it really differently. Um, And it's really inspiring. So that's one of my favorites. And then on money, rich dad, poor dad is a, is a really great money book that I always recommend that is a good read. So for sure. And, and we as well suggest that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what has been your biggest aha moment? Oh, biggest aha moment. Um, I think, you know, when I, when I was first starting out, I was just grinding so hard of like, let's make this work and let's make this happen that I didn't get to enjoy it in the first uh, few years just because, you know, I was so focused on the end goal and, Um, I would say probably about two years ago, I kind of had an aha moment of, you know, this is a business and people are coming to me for, for advice and expertise and services. And this is what it's all about. Um, Enjoy the place that you're at. And I kind of had a mindset shift of instead of constantly looking to the next five or 10 years and how to get there to just enjoy the present moment and enjoy what you're able to do here and now. And I think as an entrepreneur, that's really easy to just skate on by. Um, But for me, that aha moment of like, you know, we're doing it, we're doing the thing. It was really great and kind of something that I've tried to hold on to, to be able to enjoy the experience and not to just have it flash by uh, without, you know, being able to remember the day to day and remember what it felt like here and now. And then, you know, maybe in five years, I'll look back and say like, wow, look, look where we've come from that, from that time. So that's been mine just in my personal life is enjoy here, enjoy now and enjoy whatever this experience is. Very good. Well, thank you, Dawn. I really appreciate all your insightful answers and uh, knowledge you're sharing with our, our listeners. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our chat. Yeah, Dawn, thank you so much for coming on today. I appreciate it. I had a good one. Okay. This has been another episode of the Wealth Watchers podcast from my co-host, Justin Hoggett and I, mahalo. <laughs> All right, guys, until next time. This has been the Wealth Watchers Podcast. If you enjoyed this content, please subscribe and leave a review on your podcast player of choice. Join us on Facebook, where our members and guests are actively engaging in discussions on wealth growing strategies by searching for Wealth Watchers Community on Facebook.